It's that time of the week, y'all, which means we're looking back at what stories made it in the headlines this week, what didn't, and what moments brought us some joy. I'm with producer Farrell Gibbs and CityCast contributor Shiam Gallion. It's Friday, May 13th, 2022. I'm Dina Kispa, and this is CityCast Houston. So let's talk about our top stories. Shiam, what would you say was the top story this week in Houston? Hmm. There's been a lot going on. Um, I don't know if this is everybody's top story, but I uh, have not been able to get out of my um, out of my mind what Governor Greg Abbott said after the Supreme Court memo um, from Justice Alito leaked. And uh, Greg mm-hmm. Abbott basically, he was like, oh, we want mm-hmm. to challenge the, Sup- the Supreme Court ruling that says we have to educate undocumented children. The way that the news article was phrased was that it was like a maybe that he was like thinking about it. And to me, from like a media perspective, I that's like seen as a test balloon, like just floating an idea to see what the what uh, the pushback will be. Yeah. In Texas, we often make headlines because of what senior state Republican leadership does. And it's often very regressive. At the same time, mm-hmm. you know, I've been thinking about this. I'm actually part of a coalition to advance the teaching of ethnic studies uh, in Texas. They've been working mm-hmm. on this for 10 years. Um, and I believe Asian American studies has been like a- approved to be included in, oh, wow. in our curriculum. And so I'm sharing with you this news of Greg Abbott, mm-hmm. knowing that there's this like big, we yeah. do have a pretty hardline Republican leadership at many levels, including the state level, and knowing that like people are doing good work uh, around education. So it's, uh, it's important to keep that in mind. But the idea that, uh, you know, Republican leadership in Texas wants to take away education from children is is really concerning. Yeah. Farrell, what, what's your top story of the week? Well, I went down this huge rabbit hole this morning, uh, seeing national stories about uh, headlines like stocks in a tailspin and Bitcoin and other crypto stocks plunged like $200 billion in a day. But I went to see how Houston was faring in all of this and the, the, the economy shakeup. And apparently Houston has hit a 40 year high in inflation, which is higher than the national average. This is according to Robert down in the Houston Chronicle. But Robert said that prices of all the goods here have jumped eight and a half percent since last April. And that's the largest jump in 40 years. Um, And I know that reasons given in the article point to like a hangover from COVID and also from the war in Ukraine, the national inflation percentage is 8.3. So we're at 8.5. We're a bit higher than the average. And he did say that much of this increase is due to energy price increase, so gas going up and all of that, which has gone up 10.3% since February. And food prices, he said, are almost up 10% here as well. Yeah, the inflation has just been like, oh my God, unreal. Like you're having to go to multiple places in order to really just like save a couple of bucks here and there because it adds up. 
when you're talking about adding a few dollars to every item that you typically buy, yeah, you're going to have to bargain shop. You're going to have to hunt. But then also you're going to have to drive around and use your gas. And gas is so expensive. Y'all, I I bought a brand new car this week because... Uh, because our car kept breaking down and we had an oh, uh, an emergency with one of our pets. And I was like, that's the last straw. And I bought oh. a new car. And so I'm also thinking of those people that need to make those big, important purchases like me this week. A lot of times when you read the news in times that are not like a crisis time like this, you hear about inflation, you hear these things, but you don't necessarily see it when you go out to H-E-B, like you just said, Dina. One thing I started to notice over the past like six months, mm-hmm. whenever you go in a grocery store, you see sale sign for sale or marked down or 20% off all over the place. Mm-hmm. All of that seems to have gone. You know, everything is not just not yeah. for sale, but it's actually been marked up. The things I like anyway. Is there something that you've been watching that you can tell us the price has like, has the price of a Kit Kat gone up or like, what are the (laughs) things that you're watching? I'll tell you one thing in particular is cheese. Mm. Cheese is just like, okay, so at HEB, one of my favorite things in the world is they'll mark down certain cheeses like Roquefort or blue cheese or whatever. And they'll, you know, if it's getting to the end of its life, they will mark it down. And so there's like a markdown Bennett. They don't have that mm-hmm. anymore. And that's that's been over like the past three or four what? months. And now, you know, you could used to buy a wow. huge block of Tillamook cheese. Now it's like a sliver of it in the deli is like five or six bucks. So, And that's just cheese. I, li- I mean, I like cheese. So, You know, I love that because I love cheese. And actually, <laughs> I, like th- that totally makes sense as a way to measure inflation <laughs> because it is by the pound. It's It's not like a fixed. Yeah. 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 What about you, Dina? What you got? So mine, it's not new, but it's still a big story in my opinion. And it's talking about that really big rally that happened in Houston at Discovery Green. Um, And it was like several thousand people were out there and rallied for abortion rights. And it was on Saturday. And I feel like this is just not a conversation that's over and it's it shouldn't be over. And we should definitely still be talking about it. But it's also very scary how little people who are making these decisions are really educated about how fertility works and why sometimes you really do need to get an abortion because it's literally life-threatening. It's not just about whatever narrative they're trying to push. There's so many layers to it. You know, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I was talking about it with a friend the other day who works in the industry, in the healthcare industry. And she's also, um, she's also religious. And she told me, you know, my religious rights are under attack, uh, because my religion allows me to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a religious minority in Texas, uh, you know, in this reproductive health field, and my religious rights are under attack. And I thought that was a good point. Um, she happened to be Muslim. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of um, probably mm-hmm. a few other religions yeah. that might be something that gets brought up later. Definitely. Yeah, that was that was also something that I saw is a lot of Muslims were a lot of Muslim women, especially were speaking out and saying, well, like in our religion, it's permitted. So like, what are we going to be denied a religious right? And what kind of question does that bring up too? what kind of battle is that going to have for a lot of Muslims and other people? Like you said, who in their faith, it is allowed. 
it, it's helpful to think of your audience as like not there's like it, they can break down into different things. So I think our options are probably like there are just mm-hmm. probably people who don't know. And I think that there are people who do know and it it's not they've decided that's not important, that they actually there's something else that's more important, which is making sure that abortions never happen. Which also is not going to stop abortions. It's just going to stop safe abortions, right? People are still going to have them. And this is just another thing that they just don't understand. By banning it doesn't mean that it's just going to stop. Okay, let's let's talk about what's been undercovered. Um, Farrell, what do you think has been an undercovered story this week? There was a YouTuber named Peyton Moore who is from... Saccharin terrain uh, from Sugarland is that is that yeah, what you call yeah, it? Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, <laughs> what I this morning decided to call Sugarland. <laughs> well, I, I like it a lot. I'm going to steal it, but his name's Peyton Moore, and he said, "You know, I'm going to go down one of these Houston bayous, and I'm going to catch one of the biggest gars on Texas record." And he did exactly that. He mm-hmm. went out. He caught something that was eight feet plus. It weighed almost 300 pounds. And uh, now I presume because he's also a conservationist, he won't disclose what bayou he was on, probably to keep a rush of people <laughs> from going there to, to catch these huge gars. But mm-hmm. it also could be that he wants to keep all the huge alligator gars to himself. So, Farrell, what is an alligator gar? Apparently, it is a dragon or a kraken or something. If you go on... That article on the Houston Chronicle is just this massive, looks like a dinosaur. Uh, they couldn't even fit it in in the picture. It's so big. I, it's just some breed of fish that grows huge in these these channels. I saw the picture and that's why I asked you. And so you clarifying that it is in fact a fish is very helpful Um, because I saw it. I saw the picture and I saw alligator and I'm like, oh, my God, an alligator. And then I saw a gar. But in nowhere, I was just like, what's a gar? Is that a fish? Is that an alligator? I don't What am I looking at? Uh, It doesn't have legs, uh, which an alligator does have. So thanks, Farrell. It just looks like a sea serpent. Could you imagine if you were swimming in one of those channels and that thing touched your foot? I would immediately Hell die. Hell no. Why would anyone swim in that? <laughs> Hell no. Yeah. Well, could you imagine catching something that's 300 pounds too? I, I, I don't know. I might, I might want that thing to stay in the water. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. There's some crazy sea creatures in our waters around here. God, if that's in there. Can you imagine what else no, is in there? No, I could not. <laughs> I don't think I want to. I have to say my underhyped story is one that's kind of sad, but also one that's like, ooh. Have you heard about Thai Gourmet? Has anyone been to Thai Gourmet? Yeah. Yes. Bro. Yes, I heard too. They closed. I was shocked. 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 They're packed every night. Every night. I was literally just there like three weeks ago. So I was just like, where the heck did this come from? How how do they, why? Like, I just had so many questions. Listen. I have some conspiracy theories that I will not share on air, but Ty Gourmet, if you're listening, we love you. And, and the conspiracy theories, they actually originate from me. So they're not, they're not widespread. So don't worry. Those are the best kind. Those are the best, right? Here's the thing though. I, I didn't believe it when I first saw it on Twitter. I went to their website. It got the confirmation. Like they were saying that it was due to staffing shortages that they've had and they've had issues with for a while. I could see that because when I went, their staffing issue was so bad that they were turning people away from the restaurant. 
And somehow we ended up getting in and getting a table, but everyone else behind us was like, sorry, we don't have the staff to be able to take care of you, so go somewhere else. And then I saw this article by the Houston Chronicle, and I, you know, I don't know much about this. I've never heard this before. This is the first time I read it, and it was that, you know, there was a lawsuit that was filed against Ty Gourmet on March 23rd by an employee, a former employee, who's suing the restaurant for unlawful retaliation. She was working there as a server, and she claims that she was fired because she had gathered evidence against Ty Gourmet that they were underpaying their staff. But then... In that same article, the Houston Chronicle, they also talked about there was a lawsuit in 2018 by seven employees that alleged that they were underpaid, they had their tips stolen, and it was settled in state court by Ty Gourmet. So, I mean, as, as somebody who's like a huge fan of Ty Gourmet, and I love it, and I always, I mean, I was going there so often, this was pretty shocking to read. So that actually... That is actual facts that you just said, which I did not know. Um, and I would like to add a message saying all my love to the Thai gourmet employees. Yeah. And former employees. Yeah. Because they were great. I've never had any trouble with any server. It's really hard to hear that your favorite restaurant allegedly did this. But, you know, um, I don't know. I hope they come back stronger. I hope they come back and they give a higher wage to their employees if this is allegedly true. But it's still a lot of people were pretty, pretty bummed to see them close their doors yeah. after 27 years. Okay, Shiam, what was your most underrated story? So I have two. And one of them, I think the first one is, I think the connection to Houston and the relevance to Houston is maybe not maybe thought of immediately. Um, and I didn't see the story circulate outside of um, outside of the Palestinian community, really, or the what we call the Levantine community, which is Palestine, Syria, Lebanon. Mm. But this week, a Palestinian American journalist was murdered, uh, shot in the head mm. by Israeli forces um, in an area where there was no fighting at all. Uh, and she was clearly wearing her mm -hmm. her press yeah, vest. Uh, her name is Shireen uh, mm -hmm. Abu Akla. And the reason why I was thinking of her in connection to Houston mm -hmm. is uh, Houston's Palestinian community is really, um, is just extremely prominent um, that I would not be surprised at all. Okay. I actually bet, I bet that she has family here. And... Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the story. It's wild because uh, she, it, it matters, it matters that she's a journalist and that she was murdered. This is a war crime. On top of that, she's American. And so there's also questions mm -hmm. of like, what will the repercussions be? I think that regardless, mm -hmm. there need to be repercussions, but specifically because she is American, I'm like, yeah. what's going to happen? Also knowing uh, the U.S.'s relationship mm -hmm. with the state of Israel is, you know, will they leverage that relationship to get justice or to get some kind of accountability around that? Mm -hmm. When I was reading the like outpouring of, mm. of grief for her, it was as, as if a figure, like a yeah. known figure like Charlie Rose um, was just murdered. I was going to say, you know, I grew up on Shirin Abakla. Like, I was devastated when I read that she was killed. It was, like, 
every person that I knew, every Houston Palestinian was posting about her, was talking about what she meant to them, what she meant to their family. And we have a pretty massive Palestinian community, even like a very big Christian Palestinian community who are also very well connected with her. Y'all worked at the same place, right? Did you know her, Dina? I wish I did. I wish I did. Because, you know, we both worked at Al Jazeera. We didn't have any crossover when she was in the D.C. office. It would have been my dream to meet her. Growing up watching her, she was the reason why I wanted to go and work at Al Jazeera. Oh, I was like, I want to be like Shirin Abakda. And, you know, it's it's almost like you lost a family member because of how well she just like connected with people. Even if you've never met her, you just feel like you knew her. I don't know. It's such it's such a loss to our community, be it here, be it abroad. It's very hard to get over. It's very hard to wrap your mind around because she was also very clearly marked as a member of the press, you know, bulletproof vest with press all across it. She had a helmet on. It's like she didn't stand a chance. There was nothing else that she could possibly have done that would have prevented this. I'm trying not to get emotional because I really... She was just somebody that really, really inspired me. And it's it's such a deep loss. It's such a deep loss. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up, Shiam. Oh, yeah. I was going to say I wanted to bring it up um, because, as you know, you know, you know, I've worked around like anti-war issues for a long time. And um, and I think Houston being the city where we're the leader in resettling refugees we actually are connected to the rest of the world. I know that there's like an official rating system for cities and um, there's like letters. It's like A level, B level, C or something. I, I read this on Wikipedia. Um, and because I, I, I love learning about Houston. And I think Houston is like, I think Dallas is rated mm-hmm. higher than us. And the way that they rate cities is related to international importance. And if the city shut down for a certain amount of time, how would that affect the world, et cetera. And uh, so there is this perception of Houston. It's one of the biggest cities in the U.S. And it's not seen in that like in that way or it's not often talked about. Um, I think the people who live here, do we do see ourselves that way. And I wanted to bring it up because um, I do mm-hmm. see Houston as connected to the world stage because we have the world here, living here. Um, mm-hmm. And... I also hosted um, a, a panel around anti-war communications, and I think uh, we had a Ukrainian journalist with us. And um, the big takeaway is that the way that people are showing up for Ukrainians is so powerful and so important, and it's a model for how we can keep showing up mm-hmm. um, for for people who are, you know, are fighting for their rights. Um, and Shireen Abu Akla mm-hmm. is as a journalist had rights. Um, so my mm-hmm. other story <laughs> to literally bring it home even further, completely huge different tone shift, much lighter topic. You might chuckle when you understand yeah. the transition I'm about to make, but to bring it home, mm-hmm. HEB now has like a home company, <laughs> a home goods company. <laughs> Okay, and I I'm someone who does not affiliate with brands unless it's H E B. Like every Texan, 
Wow, I think I found a bigger fan than me for HEB. And this is not a sponsored episode. I've never met anyone in HEB leadership, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, yet. (laughs) Maybe if you're listening out there, I'm a huge fan. I love what you guys are doing in in your ice cream lab in San Antonio. That's true. (laughs) But it's... But I've noticed over the years that HEB had been expanding its like bakeware and they're like baking stuff and their pot and their pans and um and I love that stuff. Mm. It's it's and it's like good quality. Yeah. And now they are gonna have a there's like a, it's called Home by HEB. Wow. This sounds like an ad. It's it really totally does. not. This is <laughs> you're secretly this being is paid. Totally <laughs> This is totally my pure passion. <laughs> they felt like you were having a rough week. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, this is great news. Um, they're doing great on the ice cream front. Look, they're expanding their home goods section. Wow. What can't they do? I'm with you. How can you ever, you can't feel sad mm. in an HEB, ever. You're always mm. happy in an HEB. Everything is well organized. Oh my God, this sounds like, to- but it's, you know what, Farrell, you and I need to hang out at an HEB and just. Grab coffee and catch up. Can I be invited? Absolutely. Yeah, Dina, you can come. (laughs) Dina, what's your your what what's your joy? Um, my joy. You know, it was it was a really hard week, and I was like looking for joy. The weekend is definitely one of them. The second, which is kind of happy news in a way, is Canada's Tim Hortons. It officially broke ground at their first location in Katy, and it's going to be open in August. I saw yeah. that. I thought about you when I saw that. Yeah. My Canadian husband is very excited. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a reason to like Houston. <laughs> Nothing else. It's just having Tim Hortons, a little piece of home. <laughs> no, Dina. No, Dina. Your husband, has your husband been to HEB? You'd think that'd be enough, but I think outsiders don't get it. I don't think they get how amazing HEB is. <laughs> Maybe he should go with you one day, give him a tour. Explain why HEB is the best. We'll do a follow up. We'll do a follow up on this. Hold that thought. <laughs> I love it. Well, y'all, Shiam, Farrell, this has been amazing. You guys really brought, caught me up to speed on all the news that's happening in Houston. Yes, y'all did too. Thanks, Dina. Thanks, Farrell. I love chatting about the news with y'all. That is all for today and for this week on CityCast Houston. I'm lead producer Dina Kispe. Our producer is Farrell Gibbs. We had some much needed help from producer Lizzie Goldsmith. And our newsletter writers are our host, Lisa Gray, who's out this week, taking some much needed time off, and Brooke Lewis. Music is by our producer, Farrell Gibbs, and his band, All the Kimonos. Look, y'all, if you like our show, gotta do us a favor. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your aunt, your uncle, tell somebody, all right? And don't forget to rate our show. Leave us a really great review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back on Monday morning with more news from around this day. Bye. From Lizzie Goldsmith. And we had... (gasps) Let's do it again.